And you're going to say, oh, there's old Madden being, being goofy again. But, and the more I think about it, and now I know it's true and I believe it. Here's the deal. I think over in the Hall of Fame, that during the day, the people go through and they look at everything. I believe that the bust talk to each other. And I can't wait for that conversation. I really can't. To Vince Lombardi, to Newt Rodney, to, you know, to Reggie, to Walter Payton, to the, to the guys that you want to say, with, to, to all my players, my ex-players, we'll be there forever and ever and ever talking about you know, whatever. And, and that's, that's what I believe, and that's what I think is going to happen. John Madden at his uh, Hall of Fame induction. There were two of them, one for TV and radio. That was for his accomplishments uh, on the sidelines in football. That was 2006, talking about the uh, bust coming to life at night at the uh, Football Hall of Fame. That would be amazing. That would be fantastic. <laughs> it's like the movie the, with uh, Matthew Broderick, right, with the, where, where all the – in the museum – and all the historic figures come to life that, I mean, I would live, I would uh, just, just to go into the hall, the NF or the football hall of the folks at the football hall of fame, the pro yep. football hall of fame. Yep. Don't make that into an exhibit. Should like Disney. What do you mean? Like make it into, isn't there like a hall of presidents at the, uh, is it at Disneyland? I know it's at Disney world and you've got all this animatronics. Oh, yeah. You could have all the football heads talking to each other. That would be fantastic. Be a good, good football exhibit. There's, there's one particular room. Have you, take you've never been that, there? Disney. What's that? You never I've never been there, been there no. Um, when I went to Cleveland in 2014 just to go, it was uh, that was one of the reasons. And I'm not ashamed to say that I teared up walking into that place because football has always – that was my first sport to love. Um, it was my first sport to get into and, 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 and sort of watch and understand um, with my grandfather and the two polarizing broadcasting figures that had me taking an old school, which you'll remember, Steve, the recorders with the, with the buttons, and you had to push the red or the orange button in the black button to record the cassette recorders. And I used to, rec- I used to mute the TV, and I would record myself broadcasting. Oh, look at you. In the seventies, that's what I used to do, and it was, but it was usually Monday Night Football. But anyway, going to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, there's one particular room, and there's like twelve wax figures, and I loved it because my favorite player of all time, Walter Payton, is is right there, and I took a picture, you know, I took a bunch of pictures, but um, it's just you could just get lost in there for a day. It was fantastic. Bowl game updates as we do our football frenzy. Let's get a little crunch. crunch. <laughs> Clemson and Iowa State are playing right now. We'll get you a score update in a second. Uh, Maryland and Virginia Tech in the Yankee Bowl, uh, 54-10. Maryland wins today, coming up at 6-15. Very good game, although much different-looking teams on sidelines. Oregon and Oklahoma are going at it. And uh, you have a score in Cle- you have, anyone have a score on Clemson and Iowa State? I can't get an update. I do. Yes. It is 6-3 Clemson Ooh. with 321 left in the second quarter. Okay. Um, and the last game, I do not have it being a good game. I think Oklahoma is going to smack Oregon. You have it's the Alamo Bowl. I've been calling it the Abandonment Bowl with both coaches leaving. Mario Cristobal headed to Miami. Lincoln Riley headed to USC. But Oklahoma's, 
I think that they understand the situation, and I think that they're in much better. Oregon's got reportedly like 30 players missing from this game. Oklahoma's had some guys bolt for the transfer portal, a couple of, you know, a few um, opting out to get ready for the draft. But Bob Stoops is the interim coach. I mean, that's not a bad interim coach to have to prepare for a game. Remaining players have some pride in Oklahoma. You think he can stir that up? I think so. And and and, and I was at the Pac-12 championship, so uh, I saw that the Ducks are a mere shell of what belongs in a championship game. What's the number on that game you have in front of you? Seven. Oh, is that right? Is that right? You know, I bet so many bowl games. I talked about betting back on December 5th. I was like, I'm going to guess at what happens with the opt-outs and coaches and all that. And I talked a bunch of times about getting Western Michigan at plus six and a half, and then the game went off at Western Michigan minus seven. Mm. Um, I didn't win because I tried to middle for the entire total. So uh, that wasn't good betting. But uh, I was looking back. I'm like, I think I bet Oklahoma on December 5th. I did. Oklahoma minus four. There you go. Let's hope it works out. I think you're going to be just fine. So for, should I go for the middle there? No. Probably not with a no. <laughs> five not. and six are not key numbers. Just don't go for the middle. They're not. I, I, don't, I, I can't imagine Oregon's going to be in this game. Honestly, I, I watched. I, I would be. And I shocked. couldn't middle it anyway. The way I'm describing it, so I'm incorrect to begin no, with. So it's not going to land on five yeah. or six. No. You you could side the game. Right. You know what that is? Middling and siding. Middling is where you land in the middle. Siding is if you land if one of your two bets lands on the number that you bet. So you've sided the game. You push one, you win the other. I can't middle it anyway. So Oklahoma's going to win by I at least two I can't do guys. minus four and plus seven. It's not going uh-huh. to work for me. Boomer sooner. Yeah. Um, and then we've got, uh, what, Michigan State. I'm just looking at my old bets. So that's what the audience wants to hear. Michigan State and Notre Dame. So we'll see how that works out. Obviously, they're not playing each other in, in their games. So Michigan State minus oh, three that's and a half. That's back tomorrow. on December 5th. And Notre Dame minus one and a half. I like, Pit- I like Pittsburgh plus the points tomorrow against Michigan State. Ooh. So. Yeah. Okay. A uh, good day today for the SEC. It didn't lose. Finally. What a joke. Overrated. What a joke. Were you one of the people on the show who were questioning my authenticity when no. I had Cincinnati rated number one, when I had Alabama number seven at one point? How many times this year did I tell you there were just out. a hand. I'm not saying for you. I'm saying for other people on the show. You said what, other analysts the who came in. Just because I in, you know, I incorrectly say, described the middle say, just a minute ago doesn't mean I don't know football. Did he say were you one of the guys? Did he just? Say I know you weren't. I was. I, know, I actually I know, renamed I it to I the know. Cofield Football you, Playoff. You gave rankings. me a lot of credit. I told everyone all year long that Georgia hadn't anyone. The East sucks in the SEC. The West is a bit overrated at the bottom. Stop freaking, you know, cramming. Mississippi State and Mike Leach down our throats. And the SEC's come out of the gates here 0-4. And, of course, everyone has run to social media to make the joke, oh, I guess they're just not motivated. Cincinnati and Michigan, baby. National championship. I mean, do you are you, based on an 0-4 start to the bowl season by the SEC, do you have a little extra juice to bet against Georgia? I if if okay if there's an SEC team that's going to be the first one that's going to fall. Yes, you asked me the other day. It was yesterday, two days ago. Which side and who I'm rooting for? I told you that there's a sentimental value with Georgia. Would I love to see both SEC teams out? Yes, for the simple fact that it's the SEC. But I can 
live with Georgia or Michigan winning and Cincinnati most certainly beating Alabama. So I'm most rooting for Cincinnati to beat Alabama. Um, I I want Georgia, <laughs> excuse me, for sentimental reasons, but I can see Michigan beating Georgia. Going into today, the bowl records, uh, AAC 3-0 and going into today. Big 12, 1-0. Mountain West, oh, look at here, small-time football, 5-1. and now the Mountain West, I also lone loser, you and R, Reno, yeah. Sun Belt three and one, hmm. SEC zero and four, with more something? games to come. Isn't that something? Isn't that they don't something? care? They're not motivated. Can't get fired up. Uh, transfer portal news. Give me a little crunch, crunch. <laughs> a couple of locals in the portal: a Reno player and a Hawaii player. Right? I saw you tweet these out yesterday. Jordan Lee, big time, DB. Big time as far as for for that program up there. Mm -hmm. Um, Played fantastic. Um, He was up there with, and his name escaped, uh, Jojo Claiborne. They both played in the secondary. um, Sort of behind the Bubba Bolden era, but then emerged once Bubba went on to college. And Jordan went up and had a fantastic career for the Wolfpack. He is now a graduate transfer portal guy. I think it would be phenomenal if he ended up with UNLV. I'm not sure if he left because Norvell left. I'm not sure what the reasoning is behind it. He left a message on his Twitter thanking the university, but uh, he is in the transfer portal. Did I tweet someone from Hawaii? I don't think that was me that tweeted from someone. Who's who's from Hawaii? Who's left? I'll find it. You'll find it. it. I'll find it eventually. Uh, Speaking of that, you know UNLV lost its defensive line coach. Good for uh, Coach Chad K. Always going to botch his last name. Hawaiian guy who actually I think was you know important to some of their efforts to recruit in Hawaii. He's now moving on to UCLA, which is not you know a loss that you just sneeze at. The defensive line was actually one of the better units yeah. on this UNLV team, and it was not without challenges. Right. Keep in mind, Connor Murphy was expected to be a big part of it. And uh, he retired from football less than halfway into the season. Uh, Ahimere, you know, when I talked to him early in the season, LAL, he was expecting to be more of a pass rusher. Well, he had to play all the time. And then he turned out to be one of their best defensive linemen. Uh, Naki Fahina went down for a little while. Uh, Kolo Waske was a little beat up at the end of the season. They had some guys make some real big advancements. And if you want to count defensive linemen as some of those guys on the outside, like Adam Plant and Brennan Scott, Brennan Scott was one of the better defensive players in the second half of the season. So, you know, those little things that maybe the, you know, the, the casual fan misses out on, yeah. uh, they're going to have to find someone to replace their very good defensive line coach, who I think is a pretty good recruiter when it comes to Hawaii. In fact, they have a, a young, you know, I think he'll be, I don't know if he's a true freshman or a true sophomore, red, red shirt sophomore coming up, but uh, Sagapolatella. It was Bacha's name, uh, Hawaiian kid, who they brought in. So we'll see what happens. The one thing I will have to say about Marcus Arroyo is this. When you, when your specialty is apparently quarterbacks and you come in with an offensive mind, and one of the biggest improvements that you see that we saw was UNLV's defense, it tells me that he allows his coaches to do their job. He allows their coordinators and position coaches on that side of the ball to do their job. Because if he was meddling too much and interfering, considering the program and how much work it had to do to climb out of 
well, and it still has a lot of work to go and it still has a lot of climbing. So now he has to go find somebody. But the good thing is, is that I think that when he shows what this, what that unit did in his second season after a COVID year and picking up the two wins and then showing the games that it was in, that the Rebels were in, um, I don't know. I think it's a promising land for, you know, for, for somebody who's trying to continually progress and maybe get to that next step. And then even if they're using UNLV as a stepping stone in that, in that, as a position coach in that, in that realm, um, I think maybe Marcus is at an advantage here. You know, if I think he may be at a better advantage in hiring a defensive coaches than he would at an offensive because he's an offensive mind. So he's going to be more apt to interfere on that side of the ball, whereas defense, hey, my defensive coordinator, my defensive position coaches, I let them do their job under my system, and that's how it's supposed to be. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher, and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. Hey, you noticed uh, Pat Troy Aikman's trying to grow a beard, and he just can't do it. I mean, you know, the blonde-haired guys, a lot of them have trouble, but I can't even, I'm looking as close as I can, and I can't see any beard, but he's been, that's a four-day beard, isn't it? It's a passive attempt. <laughs> it's very, very passive. Here's Terry Allen. Out to about the 20. There it is. You know, here it is. But see, I mean, I mean, he got a little in here, here, but he doesn't have anything here at all. Watch when you take it off. He doesn't have anything going up in there. I think got to give him time. He just had his 29th birthday. I know, but I don't think he's doing a very good. I quit. John Madden hashtag stick to football, right? It is funny. I wonder how many people, old school football people, are like, oh, that's right. John Madden was John Madden because he did stuff like that. In addition to being incredibly enthusiastic about the game on the field, and he was busting chops on. With the Telestrator on, uh, yes, 29-year-old Troy Aikman, Pat Summerall. You know, the more you listen to the clips, what mm-hmm. a freaking partner for Madden who would go on and on so you don't need to step in his way. Just drop in a line here or there. Summerall was a freaking master of that. Uh, you know, I saw someone uh, in radio t- sent out this tweet. John Madden was a coaching legend but also a genius as a commentator. I can't imagine how many people became NFL fans because he made it more entertaining. Thanksgiving as a child was even more fun thanks to his energy, creativity, and love for the game. Listen to him talk about the turducken. My God, he loved that thing. Uh, we have these turkey legs that we're going to give out after the game. A little piece of pie gone already. Right well, you never know. You, I don't you know who's in that bus when I'm up here. I don't know who's down there. But I know that that six-legged turkey's there, yep. and we're going to have those six legs to give out to the MVPs of this game. But we got a turducken, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. This is a turducken right here where we got, you know what a turducken is? A turducken, this thing here is a deboned duck stuffed in a deboned chicken stuffed in a deboned turkey. Cut sideways and you get and you get a little turkey and a little chicken and a little duck. Now that's there, that, that's turducken. Then over there, we have the turkey. See now, here's the turkey. We got one leg, two legs, three legs, four legs, five legs, six legs. But anyway, anyway, here's how you slice it. See, a lot of people don't know. You have to slice it down the middle. See, and then you slice it across this way. Because what it is, it's a it's a deboned 
chicken stuffed in a deboned duck stuffed in a deboned turkey. And it, well, it's, it's really five different things. It's a, it's a chicken, a duck, a turkey, and two kinds of dressings. And are you going to have one on, on your Thanksgiving table? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to have one. I have to bring it though, but you know, you know, because it, oh, here's Here a, it is. Here's, here's, a, here's a picture of one. Turkey duck in yeah, the picture. That's the, that is one. it. And you see, you cut it like right down here. <laughs> See, and then this is what it looks like inside. <laughs> See, so you got turkey and duck and then dressing and then chicken. Oh. And then, then you just have to do it that way or Nick, any of that makes sense. Now, can I get some hoisin sauce with that? <laughs> That's unbelievable. This stuff is looking good and smelling good and tasting good. We got to dig in and start eating now. It is good, but you've got to hurry because the bus is running. It's getting close to game time. We got to get headed for the Silver Dome, and we just like to say happy Thanksgiving to you guys back in the studio. Now, that is a collaboration of different explanations of the exact same thing. But the greatest thing about the that particular clip, if you're listening with Al Michaels, where he's going, you got to cut it down a million. I watched that. That was part of one of the best video clips. Yep. Tell the audience he, what he did. He did it with his hands. He took the side of his hand like a like a karate chop and he went right down the middle. Then he pulled it open with his fingertips and then he reached in there and he's separating the whole thing and that's why Al Michael starts busting up laughing and his hands he just kind of turns them over like okay, does someone got a towel or some napkins? It doesn't but doesn't care and they don't miss a beat. The camera went to the booth for this whole thing. So you're, so you're watching awesome. Monday night football, but yep. you're watching this segment where they bring the turducken in, which I think you've just heard it described three times. I don't need to describe it. And he does the whole, you got to cut it down here. Now. Um, the other thing is before that, the one that they brought in the studio while the game was going on, they just went to a still shot of it. And he used the telestrator to show, yep. cut it down the middle and then cut it this way. And this, so he used, the Telestrator. Now, an interesting story about the Telestrator. Well, let's let's. Are we going to talk talk about Telestrator later, or should? Okay. He brought that. <coughs> excuse me. To light the Telestrator and how drawing on the screen. Right. I'm getting choked up just listening to it. Uh, but what a lot of people don't know is when he would draw. Here's where. The receiver needs to go. Here's where the running back third and six. He would draw across the screen. That's how the yellow line came to be for the first down. I didn't know that. Yes. So yet another thing. Yes. That might be his freaking biggest <laughs> contribution of all. I love the yellow line. The yellow line is integral to football. Steve, is that right? I'm telling you. The, the, the one th wow. One really of the, with a nugget. With one of the greatest things for me ever was the first game I ever took Jordan to down in San Diego. And, he, and he's standing there pregame and he's looking at his Buccaneers and he looks at me and goes, Dad. Where's the yellow line? At <laughs> a live game. That's awesome. That is awesome. Caleb Herring's on the way. We'll uh, break down what's going on uh, around the world of college football and also uh, get into uh, that departure we're mentioning from the UNLV football coaching staff. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Lights, garland, and festive cheer. Decorating our home for the people we hold dear. 
Tacoma, Camry, Highlander RAV4, beautifully arranged as you walk in the door. Since Finley Toyota has counted everyone as nice, you'll always find what you need at just the right price. Happy holidays to all with lots of cheer. Finley Toyota's looking forward to another great year. To our family, friends, customers near and far, always remember, we'll do anything to sell you a car. Hey guys, are you suffering with erectile dysfunction that's affecting your relationship? Reach out to the doctors at Heads Up Men's Medical Clinic, Las Vegas's premier men's ED treatment center. No pills, no needles, no surgery, no pain, with a 94% success rate. Call 702-827-2727 or online at www.headsup.vegas to arrange your free consultation. Guys, it's really not okay. Headsup.vegas or 702-827-2727. This holiday season, give her what she wants. Diamond jewelry from Sky Diamonds. We're offering 0% financing for 60 months or 20% off. Visit skydiamondsusa.com for more information. OAC offers may not be combined. Some exclusions apply. Expires 1322. JT from meetupvegas.com. I got the meat hookup for you. What the great chefs in Vegas have, now you're going to have delivered right to your front door. The code word is JT Brick. Go to meetupvegas.com, code word JT Brick. Sign up today for a new William Hill Nevada mobile sports account, and you can earn a $50 bonus on top of your original $50 or more deposit using promo code GET50. The William Hill Nevada mobile sports app allows you to bet on the go from any iPhone, iPad, or Android device from anywhere in Nevada. Sign up today, and you'll never miss another bet. With the largest wagering menu, the mobile sports app features live in-play betting on all major sports. For more information and to see participating sign-up locations, visit William hill.us must be 21 gambling problem call or text 1-800-522-4700 intercepted by the Oakland Raiders running around at the 30 40 50 he's going all the way of all the games I ever coached in my life it was the greatest feeling in the world there was nothing that can beat it John Madden goes on the shoulders of his players and it's something you have until the day you die I mean you're always a Super Bowl champion I was never going to coach any other team than the Raiders John Madden passed away yesterday at 85 years old. We're talking about his career, his impact across uh, so many fronts, and really uh, all ages out there know of John Madden. And you know, maybe there are people, and we know there are people old enough who know, uh, you know all parts of his legacy, from coaching to TV to the video game. Our buddy Caleb Herring, a little bit on the younger side, but he knows of John Madden. We'll get into Madden in a couple minutes. But Caleb, let's come out and talk a little college football uh, bowl game season so far, Mountain West Conference, 5-1, and one, SEC, 0-4. What's happening here? He's giving me the silent treatment. I, I think it's what – I think it's what happened. No, I was giving you a little bit of silent treatment. Sorry about that. It's, <laughs> Dramatic pause. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's uh, what happens, I think, every year. I think, uh, you know, there's a little bit of, I think, both. The, the underdogs or the, the smaller schools like the Mountain West Conference and stuff get overlooked just because it's – you know, they get – um, kind of forgotten about and, and the, the quality of football that's played at the lower levels, I guess, of the FBS uh, across the nation are, are overlooked all season because the main stories are the big names, the, the traditional schools, the SEC conference, most of it because of the top heaviness of that conference. And we understand Alabama is, you know, an all time great. Um, so then you overestimate then everyone else that's on that same level with them. The SEC always gets this. And it's unfair to some of the smaller schools, or I guess the the uh, the not so successful schools in the SEC, to have those kind of expectations all the time that they have to be Alabama, and that's what SEC football is. It's not. It's what Alabama is. Um, and then every bowl year, it seems like we come to the same conclusion. We 
we see the SEC for what it really is. It's a it's a conference just like every other conference in the country where it's top heavy at times. And then there's other people who make their way to the top of the ranks and, and, and give us glimpses of greatness, but can't sustain it all the time. Whereas you have some quality football that's been played. Iron sharpening iron is what I always like to say, where the opponents that the group of five teams are playing all the time, like the Mountain West, are quality opponents. Yeah, they're not the big Alabama names and it's not a marquee matchup every week. But at the same time, there's quality football being played. So um, when they get to the bowl games and, and they get to to put their good football on display, I guess, to shock some people who have been watching all season, um, we're all shocked by it. How's the Mountain West 5-1? and one? Like, How does it happen? How's the SEC have no bowl wins yet? Um, it, it's just kind of what's become normal now. And I think we, we're to blame for it with the hype for SEC football every year. Maybe not you, Steve. I understand <laughs> you are a champion of the little guy. So, um, But that's the national narrative. And and. Every bowl season, it seems like for the past decade, I'd say, we've kind of been shocked at the fact that the SEC is not as successful. And you got conferences like the Mountain West who fare pretty well in their bowl games. I assume you did well uh, around Christmas in terms of gifts. I'll just tell you, I'll let the audience in. I got uh, really perfectly suited for me some Oscar the Grouch sleeping pants. I mean, that's perfect. <laughs> um, do that's you have a uh, Cincy onesie that you'll be wearing on Friday? I, I wish I did. I yeah. I should. Do they have those? Amazon has everything. I'll find it. We better, we, we better get up online and get you one. <laughs> they still do next day, even during the holidays. It's crazy. Amazon's become crazy efficient with this stuff. I'll do it. I will do it. And I'll put it all over Instagram and Twitter because I'm definitely rooting for Cincinnati, which, by the way, reminds me. I got to mention this because Willie said earlier, I think, something about he went to Cleveland just to go. Those are words I've never heard anyone utter before. So I just want to say, what's in Cleveland that you just wanted to go? Like, I, but anyway, friends. <laughs> okay. That's all. <laughs> so I had, Touché. I had, so I had some friends that live there. Okay. Some friends who um, I hadn't seen in years. Number one, number two, the, the hall of fame was uh, high up on my list. Number three, um, it was just, it was one of those towns where, Everybody, it's you know what? It's kind of like the underdog that everybody is betting against. So screw it, I'm gonna bet on the underdog. Like, why would you go there? Why do you want to go there? Just like you're saying now. So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go there, and I ended up having a decent time. I saw the Pro Football Hall of Fame, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I went to a Browns game, so I ended up having a good time, Mister Harry. All, all the, all the things that you said. You, you probably could have done without going to Cleveland. I think what you should do next time is just have your friends kind of meet on the outskirts of the city so and you never to have Canton? to go back. Like, I, yeah, just go to Canton. Meet me at Canton. Just we'll go. hang out. I haven't seen you guys in a while. Make it worth my time at least. I don't want to have a decent time in Cleveland. That's not, that's not the way I want to describe my vacations. But, no, I will be wearing – back to the topic at hand. I will be wearing uh, or rooting for Cincinnati big time. I don't know that uh, this is going to be the most fair <laughs> matchup for them. For the first group of five team or the first small school, I guess, to get into the, the playoff to go against the most experienced playoff contender with the best coach and probably the best quarterback in college football who's hitting their stride at the right time. I think that's going to be a little bit lopsided, if I'm being honest. Um, and the been there, done that thing, I think is going to play a huge factor. There's going to be a lot of circus and chaos around Cincinnati just being there. Um, so you're going to wonder how focused they are. I know I heard some things in the press about how Alabama's handling this this go around with COVID and um, and having you know going after championship, but what it feels like and the focus in that locker room. 
you can bet that they're going to be locked in and focused and, and ready to play. You, you, you got to wonder if the stage may be a little bit too bright for a team like Cincinnati in this moment right now. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But I definitely will be pulling for Cincinnati in that one. Uh, Ari is in charge of the Petty Cash with Cofield and Company. So he does all our gift shopping for our guests. Uh, we just located, I'll send you the link, Ari. Uh, just located some uh, Cincinnati pajama pants. So yes. hopefully we can get that to uh, Caleb by Friday. By the way, when you're tall and thin, what the hell do you buy in terms of size? It, you buy things that best fit. Uh, there's not, there's not, and it, my wife says this about me all the time when she tries to buy clothes for me. It, you can't. You can't find, especially not in stores. Everything has to be ordered online. And it's kind of, Russian roulette if it's going to fit when it gets to your front door or not but they stores just don't carry tall slim guy stuff it's either you're short right. um and stumpy or yeah. you are you are huge attacked. and you are just a large human being the short There's and stumpy no comment we both, we both felt attacked i feel on attacked one. on that yeah. I, I'm, I'm sorry i for first cleveland now this i'm sorry yes. but uh I, I i really that's what's Maybe not short and stumpy. I, more importantly, stores put no, short don't and back your way. Which is weird. Yeah. It was accurate. I mean, yeah, it is. Now I want Caleb <laughs> in the gym for leg day. That's it. Well, this isn't a liftoff. He's saying you're, we are shorter. and uh, that, that, that probably contributes to your stumpy, Willie, because you're short and then you're muscular. So it's like. Yeah, you're short you know, and wide. Yeah, that's not, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just, it's just the way it is. Where uh, you get double X squatty. <laughs> that's an official size. Uh, Caleb Herring's with us. All right. Um, I want you to talk about the value of good positional coaches because UNLV is uh, is losing its defensive line coach. Uh, coach Chad, I always botch his last name, but he's going to UCLA. And I, I thought that was one of the units that really shined this year in spite of the fact that they had a lot of new guys. They had a lot of injuries. I mean, he did a lot with uh, a lot of developmental dudes. Yeah, and it, I think you hit something on the head that a lot of people overlook in the game of football, why it's so complicated, why it's considered the ultimate team sport, not just 22 players on the field, but the coaches as well. It's the biggest coaching staff in any sport as well. So there's a lot of communication that goes on there. So you're talking about from top to bottom, head coach, coordinator, to position coach. If you remember, like, the, the I, I, I don't know what the game was called, but used to, like, the, the whisper game where somebody starts with a message and whispers it to somebody else and it passes along and you see how different the message is once it gets to the end. That's kind of what what the position coaches do. Like the head coach has a vision and what he wants and every head coach probably sounds good. They're like they, they want to win, right? Then the offensive coordinator has a system that they want to implement, that they have um, that they have a vision of what their offense say will look like or defense. And then the position coach now has the responsibility not only to, to take that coach talk and be best in line with that, but then to translate that coach talk to players who don't talk coach talk. They have to get them to understand what the coaches want from, you know, a player to player level. And and that's a tough thing to do. And the position coaches, I've seen, you know, the arguments that happen with coordinators and position coaches and kind of ironing out the details in my career playing. Those things happen and they help shape great teams. And it starts with the position coaches kind of relaying information between both sides, the players and the coaching staff. Um, and I think that's a, a very important part of football and successful football, especially. Um, and players spend most of their time with their position coach. I mean, the meetings you got, you know, your big team meeting, but then you form a kind of special bond within the spe spe uh, specific position that you're in. So you're with your if you're a D lineman, you're with the D line coach, I'd say 85 to 90 percent of the time uh, of football activities. Right. So that's definitely important when you, when you want to talk about a direct link to success coordinators get a lot of credit head coaches as well but position coaches are are i think just as impactful in a different way to how good a team's going to be the individual pieces make up the whole so 
um, it's a good to have a good one. I think UNLV, like you said, did lose a good one. The defensive line was was I think working with undermanned at times in the season and still stepped up to the performances that they did. Especially if you want to highlight short yarded situations, D line has a lot to do with that success. So I'm um, gonna be a hard one to replace, but hopefully they can find a suitable one to to replace him and move forward with some some D line development. On to the NFL Raiders Colts. Carson Wentz positive for COVID. He could be back with the new rule changes by Sunday. This late in the season, how significant is it that the QBs, the starting quarterback's preparation is a little bit hampered uh, because he'll have to be isolated? Do you think it makes much of a difference in, in terms of prep leading up to a game? No, I, I don't think so. I think that the reasons that those things are more important is about chemistry, establishing a rhythm with the receivers. I think at this point in the season, if you're still searching for that, um, you're probably not in the playoff hunt. So um, I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think it actually, in a weird way, and this might be kind of odd to say, could help because I think at this point in the season, the more important thing to be doing is the mental side of, of preparing with game planning for individual teams, for each team upcoming opponent. So what Carson Wentz is now doing, instead of, I don't want to say wasting time at practice on the field, he's probably in the film room a lot more and he's probably getting more in tune with the game plan than he normally would be able to with the demands of practice and actually physically being out there. So he may be a little bit, you know, ahead of the curve, I guess, with the mental side of prepping for a game. So that that could hurt the Raiders, right? But um, that's a, a kind of funny way to look at it if you're the Colts. If you're the Raiders, obviously, you want the opposite to happen. You want it to be absolutely uh, 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 vital that he gets reps and he doesn't get those and maybe even doesn't even play in the game because both teams are, are right in the thick of it as far as making it into the playoffs. So um, I I. I I don't think that getting the reps in practice physically is as big a deal this late in the season, and especially with guys that are veterans. You know, Carson Wentz has been around the block quite a few times, so he understands what it's going to take physically when it comes to Sunday playing. Caleb, we um, <clears throat> we've been talking obviously all throughout the show about John Madden, and you know, we had John Robinson on, and he's known him since he was since they were young boys. Um, and there's really three eras of of this man's, you know time in, in professional football as a coach, as a broadcaster, and then the era of Madden. And for you and your emergence in your career and when you were at UNLV and just playing, I think the Madden era, but as a football sort of aficionado and, and now a broadcaster, you you had to have known or have watched clips of when he was a broadcaster. But can you talk a little bit about your era and what it meant to, you know, to get that game John Robinson talked about how many young kids got that game and actually learned the schematics of football by playing that game and what he meant to maybe your era. Yeah, so I I, I grew up in Southern California, and I my house was divided, Raider and Rams fans back then. Um, so I, I had some dealings with or knowledge of John Madden um, as far as his, his coaching career, obviously what he did with the Raiders and, and his broadcasting as well. But Madden, to me, was a figure more than he was a person because of what, like you said, the, the iconic nature of Madden, the football game. And it's funny that you bring that up about learning. And I, it wasn't so much for me because I had both. I had hands on. I was a football player. I didn't need Madden to, I guess, spark my love for football in, in the way that I think some of my generation did with the video game. But I think it fanned the flame, flames of my love for football in a way that not a lot of people could do. John Madden in the way that he presented himself, the way he approached football as a coach and then more importantly and more, I guess, um, wide reaching as a broadcaster was so much character. 
I, I, that was something that was just foreign to broadcasting and as a whole. Um, but especially in football, where it's like this guy, he's a character. He's making it fun to listen. Um, and there's not very many people that can say that. And as far as learning football through Madden, my dad used to make there was a there's a feature on Madden that I thought was the coolest thing. And this is by the time I got to high school where you could create a playbook. Um, it's a feature that's not there anymore because probably the, the nerds like me, the students of the game like me are probably the only ones that ever played with it. But I literally created my high school playbook on Madden and I would run the plays from my high school playbook on Madden and would that gave me a deeper understanding of how the plays work or, you know, it's a video game, but it made me more interested. So when I learned, you know, when I came back for the next season of, uh, of my actual real life stuff, the playbook was like fresh in my mind because I had fun all summer playing Madden. And um, it, it, it's one of those things where I didn't even realize it, but the name Madden, the word Madden is, it's almost more than a name. Now it's like legendary status. Not a lot of people achieve that status while they're alive, that legendary status. And Madden was one of the few, and especially in the world of sports, He's one of uh, of the names that I think will forever be remembered as a football name, as an icon of the sport, as an ambassador to football everywhere, who spread the game farther and wider than anybody I think ever would have imagined. I mean, the e-gaming community now has Madden. There's people that know about football that without John Madden would never have ever had any interest in the game of football. So um, what, where he stands in, in, in the, the legacy and the history of football is at the top of the ladder for sure in my mind. Caleb, you're awesome, man. We appreciate it. Have a good New Year's, and we'll uh, check in with you next week. All right, guys. Happy New Year. Stay safe out there. Go Bearcats. We'll see you in Cleveland. Coming up, Mark McMillan, an actual member of an all-Madden team. I was just looking on Twitter. He's got the uh, – he still has the sweatshirt. Talk about it. A hoarder. I keep everything. He's got a freaking 29-year-old sweatshirt. I would do the same thing if I, I was all-Madden. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. There's a lot of kids that have learned football by playing the Madden game, where they'll say, you know, we ought to do it like they do it in the video game. And I'm thinking, holy moly, what a change. You know, it's okay to say, what are you doing? I'm going to go play Madden. Cofield and Company is back. Wait, what did it mean to make an all-Madden team? Uh, started up in 1984. We talked to John Robinson, former coach of UNLV, and, and John was saying that you know he and Madden actually came up with the concept. Let's bring in Mark McMillan. I saw him sporting his 1992 All Madden sweatshirt. Mark, how you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm doing good, man. I appreciate you having me on. So let's talk about John Madden and uh, you know making an All Madden team and what it meant to you. Uh, it, it meant a lot. You know, I, I know a lot of guys. You know, dream of making the Pro Bowl and. Um, you know, that was one of my goals. But playing John Madden in college, man, that was something that we did at Alabama all the time. And it was like, man, if I can only, you know, make the all-Madden team. And, you know, obviously being drafted 11th wasn't supposed to make the team uh, in Philadelphia. And then, you know, obviously getting an opportunity to start, uh, you know, with Reggie White and, you know, Clyde Simmons and all those guys. And at the end of the uh, the year, you know, the guy comes in and everybody's excited. I see Steph getting his shirt. I see Fred Barnett getting his shirt, and the guy, he's like, yo, you made the all-Madden team. And I was like, don't even play with me like that. And, you know, you know, after seeing the show, I'm trying to find the special that they had when they used to do the all-Madden team uh, selection process. You know, it was pretty cool, man. Like I said, it was it was real touchy, man. And, uh, you know, he was always good with me. Uh, helped out my career, I think, uh, tremendously, because every time he called my game, uh, he made sure that he pointed out, you know, some of the things that a lot of people looked over. And, and that's exactly what I wanted to touch on, Mark, is that, you know, 
it's one you, you mentioned the all Madden team, but back then the the main stations, right, CBS and NBC, when they broadcast games, they were actually affiliated with conferences. And CBS with Summerall and Madden, they did a lot of the NFC games, and it was a lot of NFC East games. What was it like when right. you leading up to the game and you knew and you found out they named the broadcast teams? Because it wasn't like Twitter – it was around or social media and they, you know, and you, or right. you could just go online and grab the, the game notes and say, Oh, this is the broadcasting team. So when it filtered down and you finally found out Madden's calling our game, that had to have added some bit of inspiration knowing who was going to be calling your name. Uh, you would thought we had won the Super Bowl when guys found out in the locker room that Madden was calling our game. Uh, you know, you see the Madden cruiser drive up to the vet, and it's, it's like a dream come true, you know, especially as a rookie. I'm thinking, like, man, that's the Madden Cruiser. Like, you don't want to touch the bus. You know, I wanted to open the bus so many times just to jump in and say, hey, John, but, you know, I had to keep it professional. But, you know, before the game, he always on the field and talking to the players. And, uh, you know, he's always, uh, like I said, was always gracious to me. Um, he, he loved the underdog. He loved the way I played the game. And if you look at some of the clips and some of the highlights uh, when he was calling our games, he was always – uh, real, real generous, and, and uh, you know, and called a really good game. So, like I said, man, making the All Madden team. I, I talked, talked to a couple of guys. Man, it was. I never played for him as a coach, but I, I did actually shed a tear because it was like, man, he meant so much to the game of football, not just on the field but off the field. And like I said, man, for him to take a guy like me that wasn't even supposed to be in the National Football League and give me a platform for that, man, I'm forever grateful for for Mr. Madden. I have to wonder if, you know, you say you didn't get a chance to play for him, but you go back far enough where you are a student of the game, where it took a lot of game film and, and studying. You know, um, it wasn't like you could just open up a laptop and, and, and watch YouTube and watch game film. Is there somebody from his era? Because he had some fantastic defenses and some fantastic defensive backs was there someone that you can think of that maybe you were marveled by that that was coached by him that you maybe watched some game film or sort of studied as you were getting older maybe from high school maybe in college um at alabama that you just clung to but had a madden effect um at lester hayes you know i, I grew up watching lester hayes and mike haynes all those guys, you know, back in the day when the Raiders were in uh, in L.A., um, you know, just watching those defenses, the way they played the game and the way they went about playing the game. Um, obviously, I was I was tutelage under the uh, the great Bud Carson as well, uh, who was a great defense of mine, uh, who also often mentioned John Madden in some of our, our meetings as well. Um, they always, you know, great greeted each other with, with uh, open arms. Um, there were two pioneers in the game. You know, a lot of people don't really recognize and uh, give Bud Carson the credit that he deserves as well for for all the defenses that he uh, you know put out there. He he, he organized the, the steel curtain, you know, in, in Pittsburgh. And a lot of people don't know that, but you know, John Madden meant a lot to uh, to a lot of people. And you know, the way he broke down the game, uh, you know, it, after every practice, guys used to run into the locker room in Philadelphia and, and try to get on the John Madden. Uh, guys would be there like five or six hours after practice playing John Madden on the video game. Uh, Eric Allen was one of them. He was a huge uh, John Madden video junkie. Uh, William Thomas was another guy. Keith Byers, even Reggie White used to try to get in on the games as well. So, you know, everybody was kids, man, and uh, he brought out that kid and everybody. Mark McMillan is with us. He's our football insider. Follow him on Twitter at McMillan29. Of course, Grillin McMillan. Uh, 
You know, I, I griped a bit yesterday, and I'm, I'm, I'm still going to gripe about it. I'm not sure what the NFL did was the right thing to do about the uh, the 10-day to 5-day thing with COVID, especially oh, since they had been so stringent on it the last couple of weeks. It's like the last couple of weeks have a different set of rules. Teams lost. They didn't have players. And now the next couple of weeks, uh, there are teams that essentially are getting a break. Listen, I know you can't control COVID. There's no one at fault here. But this seems like a weird rule change as we're making the run here for the playoffs. Yeah, it's, it's, I see. Uh, you know, Carson Wentz is in the. Uh, you know, obviously you know, he was he was in the protocol, uh, and now obviously he's not not in the protocol. They switched it from ten days to five days. Uh, Darren Waller, I just saw that he's in the protocol uh, that he's not going to be able to play. And you're, you're like, man, you're taking uh, you know key guys uh, uh, at, at critical times, and it just seems like COVID is just ramping through the NBA and the NFL um, at a at a crucial time and. You know, I don't think it's going to be the best team on the football field. It's going to be the most healthiest team on the mm-hmm. football field that's going to advance in these playoffs and, and, and end up winning the Super Bowl. So, you know, the NFL, you know, all of a sudden now it's now it's five games. I don't know how they came to that conclusion already. Why couldn't they do that earlier in their season rather than waiting so long now that it's getting crunch time that the key players need to be on the football field to make the National Football League money? Let's call it like it is. Mark, who's more dangerous in the NFC, the Packers or the Rams? That, that's a good one. It, it all depends on where it's at. Uh, you know, no one wants to go to Lambeau Field in, in January, uh, but the Rams are really playing good at home as well. But we have Aaron Rodgers, man. I don't think it really matters. Um, he can win on the road. He can win at home. Uh, as long as he's uh, able to drop back and, and hand the ball off and use Devontae Adams and those guys not give up big plays on the, on the uh, defense side of the ball. The Packers are my favorite. You know, in the AFC, we may have a preview of the AFC championship, uh, yet the Chiefs are getting a ton of respect. The Bengals, not so much. Chiefs are a five-point favorite at the Bengals. Are we getting a little too big for our britches with the Chiefs? Yeah, I think we need to pump our brakes a little bit. You know, uh, Cincinnati's been up and down, but they've been playing really good, solid football all year. And what Joe Barrow is able to do, uh, you know, Joe Mixon just breaking breaking uh, out as a lot of people, you know, kind of slept on him with the trouble that he was uh, having, uh, you know, back in the day. But now he's one of the best running backs in the game. Uh, you know, he's got two magnificent wide receivers. Uh, everybody knows that the Kansas City Chiefs struggle a little bit in the secondary. Um, it's going to be a great matchup. I'm looking for, you know, it'll be a nice little shootout. And whoever wins this game is going to have a leg up. But you still can't count out the Buffalo Bills. What are you cooking on game day for Bama Cincy? Oh man, what am I cooking? I'm cooking some Cincinnati Bearcat, baby. You know, I got to put some, I gotta put some <laughs> Cincinnati Bearcat on the grill on the smoker. Sure. I'm gonna put some Grilla McMillan season on it. It's a little gamey. It's a little yeah. gamey, but I'm gonna put some Grilla McMillan season on it, and we're gonna make it do what it do. But uh, where did you, know, you it's learn game day? It's wings. It's, yeah, it's wings. It's ribs, baby. It's Bama. Right. It's down south. You you, uh, you tagged all of us in, in a way, making us very jealous. So where did you learn to make gumbo? <laughs> I, I knew you. I knew you were going to bring up the gumbo. Uh, I, love I gumbo, made man. that, you know, uh, way back from my grandmother. You know, my grandmother. They're they're from Louisiana, so you know, my mom, my sisters. You know, they all make gumbo, and I just sit back and watch. And yesterday it was a little cold. I said, "Let me go and make some gumbo for my ESPN guy." So if you guys want a bowl of gumbo, I see Q out there too. He might be listening. Come on and get a bowl, man. I got some rights for you too. I got to ask you though. Now, before you made the gumbo, as you were prepping everything. Did you smoke the andouille before you put it in there, or did you? How, how'd you how'd you go about doing that? 
I, I seared it in, in the black cast iron skillet, man. I always put that thing in a cast iron skillet. You know the one that your grandma had in the stove? Yes, yes, yes. Of course. I got one. <laughs> Steve doesn't have one, but I got no, one. I do have one. I just don't have one with all the grandma flavor in it. I had to buy a new one like a year ago. So I actually I called up my mother, and I was like, where is my grandmother's skillet? She's like, oh, we got rid of that stuff. I'm like, why'd you do that? Why'd you do that? All right, Mark. Yeah, you we can't appreciate be it, buddy. I don't really mean this. Good luck to your Bama squad. I'm kind of rooting for Cincy. I'm sorry. Hey, that, that's all good, man. You know, we're still family. Uh, I'm still going to. I'm still uh, going to give you some ribs after we skin that cat. <laughs> some some bearcat ribs. Bearcat ribs. All right, Mark. We appreciate it. Thanks, man. Have a good New Year's. I appreciate it, fellas. Be safe. There is Mark McMillan. We go to the 5 o'clock hour. We're going to uh, track down uh, another Raiders legend and uh, someone who I'm sure is going to tell some great stories about uh, John Madden and his passing in uh, Raider linebacker, former Raider linebacker, Phil Villapiano. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co.